What does God really think about you? Has the shame, pain, or guilt of your past left you wondering if there's any hope left for you? Well, I'm here to tell you that today is turnaround time. This is where we draw a line in the sand and we tell the enemy it's this far and no more. This is the Sounds of Surviving Overcomers Overcome podcast, where Overcomers Overcome is more than a statement, it's an invitation. And I'm your host, Melinda Brown. Hello, my friends. I am back. I know it has been a while. I haven't recorded a podcast since January, but here I am the day between the day between the day that Jesus was crucified on the cross and the day that he rose from the dead. I almost said has raised, but I've had two cups of coffee. No excuse for that. Gracie, stop licking. Yes, Gracie's in the background licking and making all kinds of annoying sounds, which is typical and only a small portion of why I haven't done a podcast thus far, aside from the usual life busyness and many technical difficulties. Here I am. I'm going to give this a shot. So when you go to listen to this, if it disappears because you're one of the under five people that may listen to it right away and I'm being generous there, and it disappears real quickly, it's because I won't know how it sounds until I actually put it out there. So that would just mean that I took it off so that I could do some tweaking, okay? Bear with me there. But I'm pretty excited. I'm excited to be back. A lot has happened since January. I'm wondering how your 2022 is going so far, and is it is it as exciting as I anticipated that it would be. Yeah. You've got some notes inside of my introduction, you know, down below there. Depending on what you're listening to this on, like podcast, I know Apple iTunes. In my description underneath, you'll see uh, an email. You can reach out to me there. Also, you'll see the notes on the different music that I use in the podcast, the clips, so that I make sure I give credit where credit is due because we are in the kingdom we do all things in excellence so that said I want to start out here with reading from Psalm 23 because I kept feeling this morning like God was bringing me back to that psalm and then I'll tell you why I'm here today and exactly what we're going to do and who we're going to hear from Ooh, don't you love the anticipation So I'm going to read Psalm 23 because it was brought to me a couple of times by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read the one from my notes from my 2016 journal that I just happened to find. It's from September 15th, 2016. And I'm not sure, but I'm thinking this is the Passion Translation. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. 
Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you love that? My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. Ugh. All the days of my life. I love, love, love that. And the person that I interviewed a few months ago for a podcast before I ran into all of these other various and sundry distractions is a beautiful, powerful woman of God who has a disease that she was actually born with and it has changed her physical being until God heals her, and he will. Whether it's on this side of heaven or the other, he will heal her. But what I really felt in my heart that my listeners needed to hear was her spirit and her overcoming attitude. And she shares along the way some of the tools that God gave her, ways that she builds herself up in him so that she can remain in that overcoming place because she's an overcomer that's why we're here we are overcomers even if you don't feel like you're an overcomer yet you're here about to find out that you already are whether you feel like it or not whether you're at the end of your battle or not the victory has been won and jesus said in the bible take heart he said in this world you will have many troubles but take heart for i have overcome the world and you're just gonna have to take my word on it i don't know where i read it but i read it many years ago when i was doing a little bible study on this and i looked up the word take heart and it meant overcome so basically what jesus said is overcome for i have overcome And everything that he has overcome, you have the authority to overcome. So I'm just going to pause right here. I'm going to play this clip from Keith Green, and I will be back and tell you more about my friend, Tisa Caruso. She is the surprise guest we are going to hear from today. You don't want to miss her story. So all this is going to fit together like a puzzle. Trust the Lord. Here it comes. so I put it in my Bible. And I asked him, Lord, you got to do something about my heart. You know, a lot of time's gone by since I met you. And it's starting to harden up. You know, it's just kind of natural. I want to have baby skin, Lord. I want to have skin like a baby on my heart. It's starting to get old and, and wrinkled and callous. It's not because anything I'm doing because of a lot of things I'm not doing. And I stayed up till about two in the morning writing this song.
absolutely love that. I love that he says, give me baby skin, Lord. Give me baby skin on my heart. Because it's getting hard and old and wrinkly. (laughs) Guys, you gotta bring back some of these classics. They knew a thing or two. Yeah, let's bring back some Keith Green. While we're at it, let's bring some Steve Hill and some Billy Graham. Yeah. We need a little bit of that in the church today. So I'm going to play the second part of this song. This next part of the song, it just, it makes me think of Tisa. And it just makes me think of anyone out there who has any kind of physical healing to overcome. Or maybe a mental healing or an emotional healing. Now, okay, I think that could fit all of us, right? Because none of us are finished products. God is always in the business of healing our bodies, healing our minds, healing our souls. And we are becoming each day more and more transformed into his image, being formed into his likeness. And it's an ongoing process. It is a process. So if you're sitting still and nothing's changing, God hasn't stopped moving. I'm going to play this next part of the song for Keith, and then we're going to go straight into part one of my interview with Tisa Caruso. And guys, I hope it blesses you just as much as it blessed me. My faith is small, and I need a touch from you. Your book. Lies undisturbed And the prayers from me Too few Oh Lord, please light the fire That once So welcome, my friends. I am sitting here with my friend, Tisa. I've been mispronouncing it 
my whole life. Well, at least since I've known Tisa, I'm doing this zoom interview. This is only my third one. And the other two, I really feel like are kind of like cheater interviews because the first one was my daughter and I didn't even post the video part of that interview because we both ugly cried so much that it was like, yeah, no, I know if I didn't want my ugly cry on there, she wouldn't want hers on there. And she can't get ugly if she tried. Aww. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then my next one was one of my spiritual daughters, Haley. And that was from my kitchen because I was having the darndest time with my internet and you could hear the echo the whole time. But that one, as always, Holy Spirit took over and did what only he can do. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've done a podcast, been a while since I've done a Zoom interview. And I have the honor of of interviewing Tisa. It was Holy Spirit that gave me the nudge to say, why don't you interview Tisa? And I was like, you think she will? She doesn't even know me that well. You think, you know, I'm a little, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about that because you can tell I'm shy. (laughs) (laughs) We always send each other these memes. Like if we, we are the two people, we couldn't sit next to each other in church and not laugh. (laughs) So if you'd have to like put someone between us where, and then she'd find a way and I'd find a way we'd pass something over and be like, still, still trying to act up, but. You know, what got my attention is when we go to the same school, we go to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and we're so proud of and uh, an honor. I am, though, only still a baby. She's been there. How long, Tisa? I'm almost done with my second year. Same class as my son-in-law, Shane Vega. Yes, he's in my RG. He's in your RG. Stop. Yes, yes. He's amazing. He's so so on fire for Jesus. I love him. I love him, too. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, we could, I could tell you stories, but I won't do it on this. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is. And it's funny because he texted me the other day because I tried to get him nailed down before he even went to Brazil to do a podcast interview. Uh-huh. And he was so busy. He said, when I get back from Brazil, we'll do it. And then I tried again after that. He was still too busy. He didn't, well, he didn't get back to me. Okay. His All right, Shane Vega. <laughs> Yeah, Shane, you're being called out, bro. <laughs> called and, out and called up. <laughs> I know. And then like a week, was it a week ago? I told Ashley, I was like, guess who I get to interview? Tisa. I pronounced it wrong. I'm just going to say it twice that I did. I did it. Anyway, <laughs> if you're out there and you have mis- been mispronouncing her name, she never calls you out on it. Never. She's the sweetest person in the world. And then she's just such a teacher too. (laughs) She would convict me without doing it on purpose. Kind of like Jesus. He had a way of miracles. And all of a sudden he was so nice about it. And all of a sudden you're like, did he just correct me? (laughs) I just compared you to Jesus. I love it. Oh, thank you. And so he had texted me and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting. And I was like, that's okay. I know you're busy, but I'm moving on. All right. (laughs) I'll I'll get him. It'll be God's timing. (laughs) I noticed one of the things in class, because some of our classes are mixed with first year and second. And I noticed that Tisa seemed to be, you know, laying back or laying down. And then one day I was like, I wonder why, but I didn't ask, but I was curious. So I tried to stalk her Facebook page. And I didn't want to ask anyone, but Tisa. So 
when the Holy Spirit gave me the nudge and said, well, why don't you interview Tisa? I was like, that's perfect. I can find out why. I sent her a message and I was just like, you can say no. But she said, yes, a newscaster had covered your story because there's a shortage of caregivers, right? Yes. Right. And that was not too long ago. Right. So that's how quickly all this came together. God always knows what's up. If I get this nudge, I am not only curious, but I know I'm not the only one because I'm naturally inquisitive and love to ask questions. And so it just kind of works. You're always so encouraging and uplifting and funny, just genuine. Like it's like if there's an encouraging word to be seen on social media, Tisa's right there. You pray so eloquently. Sermons that you have done are better than a lot of these big name people that I've listened to and followed for a long time. Like the Holy Spirit is all over you, girl. I thought, man, I've got to get to know more about this woman. She's got to have a story because we all have one. Mm -hmm. And there's more than meets the eye. And if we will just stop and ask the questions, be amazed how we grow and how we'll learn and how we could be encouraged. Why don't you tell me just a little bit about you, something that you would want everyone to know about you first and foremost. That Jesus is my Lord and Savior and he's my everything. I know you were going to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that. Do you know what it shows? You, you emulate him, your countenance. You don't look like what you've been through. I was really touched when I found out today, actually, what it is that you were diagnosed with. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. It's called fibroidodysplasia ossificans progressiva. That's the Latin name for it or FOP for short. And what happens is muscles have, my muscles have heart attacks and turn into real bone, creating a second skeleton and basically turning me into a a living statue. But Jesus healed me on the cross 2000 years ago and he died for my sins and my disease. And I'm just waiting for it to manifest in his perfect will and perfect timing. If it doesn't happen on this side of heaven, I am happy to be a light for him and to do his will on this earth and be hope for the hopeless and found for the lost. And my friend said the other day, Tisa, why do you even need to learn to walk again when you fly already? So I was like, whoo, hallelujah. (laughs) Yes what is it, two out of every million, like the chance of being born with something like this or having that gene that they were talking about are so slim. Like I have more of a chance of winning a lottery, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Praise God. That we would, yeah, that we would cross paths. I mean, what are the chances? Yeah. God is so intentional. <laughs> so intentional. Tell me about your family. Tell me a little background. Like what were you doing before you were diagnosed? How long ago did the doctor tell you this? So, well, I was born normal, but I had, I had short, big toes, which is the hallmark of this condition. And actually in Brazil, they made a national law that they have to check the toes of newborns to see if they have the deformity so they could be diagnosed sooner because some people with my condition, they think it's cancer because it appears as tumors. And my friend Ashley um, had her arm amputated at three years old because they thought she had cancer. They thought it was an aggressive cancer because she had so many tumors populate. And after they amputated her arm, then they found out that it was FOP. 
and it affects one in 2 million people and it's, it's super rare, but anyway, so I, I was born normal and I was flexible and mobile until I was, well, I was mobile until 12 years ago, but I didn't have any signs of the condition except for the toes until I was five years old. And then when I was five, I had to stop ballet, stop sports. I was a cheerleader. I had to, because trauma causes the disease to react. And also nothing causes the disease to react. Like it could just wake up and decide it's going to grow bone. Or if I fall or get injured in some way, then it also can grow bone. So it's kind of sneaky. It's kind of like, you know, I never really had anything to compare it to, but it's kind of like COVID, like getting a flare up. It's kind of like the fear or of getting COVID. But I have to say that I didn't live in fear my whole life because my mom, who you met off for the recording, she said my whole life that God can heal me and that, you know, she wouldn't let me read any of the research, any of the paperwork, any of the prognosis details, because she was faithful the whole time that God can heal me. Then when I learned that he already healed me. That was such freedom. I was like, wait, I'm not waiting for my healing. I am healed. I'm just waiting for it to manifest. Like that was just such a, such a boost, man, because God is so faithful. He's so good. So yeah. So when I was five years old, I have a testimony that I was a ballerina and I I had to take my last ballet class because I couldn't be injured and, you know, falling or whatever. So my sister took me and I did a set of pirouettes across the dance floor and I nailed it. I did perfect. And we did an activation at Bethel where we had to go up to heaven for a gift. And God had an Amazon box for me. And he said, don't open it yet. Tell me that story. So I told him the story about my pirouettes. And he said, do you remember how confident you were that day? Do you remember how good you felt about your accomplishment? He said, open the box. And in the box, there was a pair of ballet slippers. And he said, I want you to feel that confident whenever you post, whenever you write, Whenever you pray for somebody, whenever you do anything, I want you to feel that confidence. And here's a pair of ballet slippers. And whenever you see ballet slippers, I want this to be a reminder to you of this confidence. So today during church, the worship was so phenomenal. I saw a glory cloud spinning on the ceiling. There were so many angels in the room. It was standing room only. And I saw myself in a ballet tutu, in toe shoes, dancing on the stage. And not only saw myself, but I felt like my body was up there. Like it was so fantastic and beautiful. And just the supernatural was just humming. Like it was, it was so beautiful. So my whole life, I grew up with nine brothers and sisters. My mom had 11 babies, but one passed away in utero. So we all, my dad built me a pool. And so I swam every summer and I was careful, but I also had fun. Like I, I I never lived in fear. You know, I never worried about the next flare up or the next injury or whatever. Like I was always careful, but faithful, you know, like cautious, but free. I always had an inner freedom. And the doctor said I wouldn't live past age 12. I just turned 47 in October. So (laughs) by doctor's report. I believe the report of heaven in Jesus name. (laughs) When I was 12 years old, I had a bout with suicidal ideations because I thought, well, if this disease is supposed to take me out by the time I'm 12, I'll beat it to the punch because I didn't, I didn't want it to take me out. Then I remember exactly where I was standing 
And God said, Tisa, I love you. Please don't die. You have so many people that love you and care about you. They would miss you too much. And so right then in that moment, I promised God that I would never be cranky or ungrateful or angry, that I would just love him and serve him. When I was a teenager, I backslid a little bit. I experimented with a few drugs and I kind of negotiated with God. I was like, well, I promised you to save myself for marriage. So you're going to let me try drugs, right? You know, like it was so stupid and such a child mindset, right? So I did a few things and nothing super addictive. And I, I did one drug once and then another drug a couple of times, like weed. And I don't remember the name of the other drug, but anyway, it was just a phase. Then I became a teacher shortly after that at a Catholic school. And I did grow up as a Christian. My mom took us to whatever church, wherever the Holy Spirit was moving whether that was Episcopal, non-denominational, Foursquare, Vineyard. We went to church, maybe three different churches every Sunday for like my whole life growing up. We were always at a church, but we were technically Catholic. We grew up Catholic. We went to mass every Sunday. My dad was an usher. My parents donated for the new building to be built. Like it was like a whole thing. I grew up and I became a teacher at a, at a Catholic school and all of the worship songs, because my mom would sit all 10 of us kids around in a circle and we'd each read the Bible. We'd have to have a memory, a memory verse memorized. And then we'd all sing a song together. And so all of these songs, when I was a teacher would bubble up in my heart, like I would make my lesson plans. And then as I was teaching, God would give me a song and, you know, kindergartners have like a attention span of gnats. Like you have to constantly be on your toes, you know? And so I would just bust out a song and a lot of them were um, English as a second language a lot of them were Chinese and they didn't speak English right away. They were learning. So they would love to sing and that would help them with their English and their hearts for Jesus. And I'll never forget this little boy named Wilson came running up to me and he was like, Miss Caruso, I love Jesus with my whole heart. And he was just such a cutie pie. I just miss him. When I was 13, 13 or 14, my jaw locked shut. I couldn't open my mouth and I was so skinny. Like my hip bones would like stick out. And in 1993, my mom's friend had a doctor in Maryland and he agreed to do my surgery. He ended up breaking my jaw open and it just hung open. And I tried to like close it and I couldn't open and close it like normal. And then after a while, it eventually locked shut again because you're not supposed to have surgery with my disease because the trauma makes more bone grow. So then that same doctor called me again in 95 and he said he had this new technology of rubber, put rubber in, in my jaw. And I was like, because uh, I had a job, I was making like really huge commissions. And I gave the tour to this one guy who sold joint replacements. And back then in the nineties, they were really bad and people's bodies would reject them. And he said, don't ever get anything foreign in your body. And I think that was a divine appointment because I said, I don't think I want rubber in my face, you know, like I don't want anything foreign. So then my dad's insurance found a different doctor. And in 1995, I chose him over the other guy and he took out most of my jaw, my actual jaw. So he said that when the diseased bone grew back, it had somewhere to lay. I was starving for like eight years with my jaw locked. And then, then again, for two more years from 93 to 95, but then now I can open it, but I can't close it. And I can't open it more than this, but I can eat and I love food. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know, 
And no matter what trials or tribulations, I would be sad. I would be at the same time, God always gave me hope. And I wake up every day with just abundant joy. I have my whole life. I met Jesus when I was five years old. I asked him into my heart and I just felt his manifest presence just fill my entire body. And it was so beautiful. And he was so wonderful and just loving. And I was going to like um, an Episcopal church, an Anglican church. And that pastor said that my healing would be incremental. In 2010, he prophesied that my healing would be, it would reverse. Instead of progressively worse, it would get progressively better. And that's been happening over the years. I've gained more movement in my joints and in my limbs and in my spine. And in October of 2021, he healed me from 17 years of chronic pain. And that was huge. So yeah, I've been through a lot, but I've had Jesus this whole time. And he just keeps me knowing that he is God and that he has overcome. And I just am so filled with hope. And I love praying for people. I love prophesying over people. I love evangelizing people pastoring people, teaching people, sending people out. We just learned about the five-fold ministry in second year. And I'm like, I think I have all five. I do have all five. Jesus had all five. And he said, go and do greater works. So I'm not greater than Jesus, but I think I have what it takes. So any heart that God puts in front of me, I love them. I evangelize them if they don't know Jesus. I teach them if they do on whatever level they need. I pastor them. I disciple so many people. I have an inbox ministry on Messenger where I send scripture out. I have close to 3,000 friends and I started with all the A's and now I'm into the B's and I just send them scripture and ask them if they need prayer. I pray over them and I prophesy over them. I send everybody the same scripture, but then I pray over them individually and uniquely. And it's time, but it's time well spent because I'm building the kingdom. 